Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we're continuing our talk on injury rehabilitation. And this is quite possibly the most important topic that you will ever hear us talk about when it comes to injuries. We are talking the critical training principle, load management. Good morning, everybody. It is delightful to be with you this morning. <laughs> if this Welcome is, to the If this sound. is the first time you've ever joined us, we don't usually talk like that. Uh, we are larrikins. Uh, my name is Yanni Bormeister. Across the table from me is my brother Rad, and next to me is Phil White, the smartest person in the room by a long shot. And behind the Richie camera, has the street smarts. Yeah, so, behind yeah. the camera is the second <laughs> smartest person in the room, but to. by far the sexiest person in the room, Richard Lellies. We are still working on him doing this stream with his shirt off and pointing a camera at him, but we haven't got there yet. It's going to take a little bit more likes. So if you're watching YouTube or you are on the live stream UMS Movement Mastermind group, smash the crap out of that like button and maybe we can get Richie's shirt off next time. Uh, guys, also, we want to send some love to the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, we do love you long time, but we do want you to get over to the UMS Movement Mastermind uh, Facebook group so you can interact live with everyone who's on the stream. And uh, if you are on the stream, let us know who you are, where you're tuning in from. And quite frankly, just send us some love. Smash the like button. How is everyone? Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is uh, always <coughs> a fun week for me, getting to talk about the things that I, yeah. And this is Phil's jam. About, so that's no, a good week. This good is week Phil's jam. Uh, how are you, Rad? Yeah, I'm good. Really good. I, I also like this topic because I've fucked it up so many times before. There's your explicit oh, I tag. Swear. Yeah. Came in early this time. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I've, fuck, man, have I, I've messed this up so badly over the years. And it just makes so much sense. And then there's other areas where I got it really, really right but I didn't know it. And that was through my Kung Fu training and through the load tolerance that I developed through that. And what I can do with my lower body is far greater than what most people are capable of. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good topic. And it's a... So, so, so without, sorry, I'm, I'm cutting you off because I just don't want you, you have a tendency to give away no. the best cheese straight at the start, like a wine tasting platter that you just dive into the best stuff first. We want to we wanna slowly uh, give you a cascade of knowledge today. Um, but we're going to start with a, a really wicked quote. And this, it, when, you, when you learn this, it's going to seem really blatantly obvious, but it is quite revolutionary uh, f the first time you sort of get a grasp on the load management principle. We're going to start with a really, really cool quote from our newest team member, Nilesh uh, Murdy, who is the uh, performance physio for the GWS Giants AFL uh, and partner in crime with Phil and ADPT Physio. Give him a mad shout out if you haven't already. Give him a Google review. Uh, Nilesh last week said, uh, and I missed this, I wasn't on the show, a load, uh, uh, what was it? I've written it uh, really down <laughs> wrong. Uh. High load doesn't hurt people. High it's load. how you get there. Yeah, I wrote it down. High load doesn't hurt you. It's how you get there. Now, I know that that might sound a little bit uh, convoluted at the moment, but we're going to dive into that today and we're going to explain exactly what that means. So strap yourself in. This is going to be a cracker. So first of all, let's start with just a little bit of a, a roundtable discussion on what load is, all the different variables of load. In the form of exercise, of course. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know. About <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's everything you do. 
in and in exercise in, in training. So for the uh, for the gym and uh, the weights room, it's going to be um, basically what's in your program. So uh, it's going to be your sets, your reps, um, the and uh, the time under tension, and it's going to be the intensity. So how much weight you're actually lifting. So sometimes people hear load and they straight away think, oh, uh, it's just you know how much weight you've got on the bar. But you've got to think about the cumulative load of all of those parameters and how that affects. Mm. Yeah, I like to keep it simple. Um, I load for me is the and the, I'll say that again. Load for me, it's not necessarily the exact description of it, but load is the combination of volume and intensity. Volume refers to how much, meaning how many uh, sets did you do, how many reps did you do in a set, and intensity refers to how much. No. <laughs> yeah, it refers to how heavy, um, meaning how heavy was the weight you lifted or how hard was the calisthenics progression, how, how, um, how, much, how hard was the leverage on your body. And load is the combination of those two. Yeah. Essentially, volume is time under tension and, and, and intensity is how hard you push during that period, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, and with volume, like obviously that kind of usually talking about volume in the one particular workout, but then we've got with load management, it's all about looking at the bigger picture stuff. So how? Yeah, um, so volume can volume can refer to how much totally. on one muscle group within a workout, and then it can also refer to how much within a week, and then it can refer to how much within a day, within a month, like yeah. there's different ways to manipulate volume. Yeah. So we've got, <clears throat> and we've just kind of discussed the variables that happen within the workout, and we call, and then I'm gonna go a little bit deeper and throw a little bit more fuel on the, uh, on the confusion fire by saying that, uh, load is also um, manipulated by things like range of mo motion. So the, the depth of a squat is going to increase the load on the body. Uh, and also um, the last variable we'll talk about for argument's sake is the f form and technique in and of itself. So if you have- Will we or will we talk about that tomorrow? Uh, we'll, we'll just quickly, very quickly uh, <laughs> uh, highlight it today because it is a load variable. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you have poor technique in a lift, then you are going to expose the body to more load. And, uh, and we're going to go really deep into that tomorrow. So well, th those are, those are the, the, the loading variables within a workout that we're going to play with today and talk about today. And what the, um, the quote that we started, that we kicked off the show, high load, uh, consider, you know, different exposure to high levels of load. That's essentially lifting maximal weights or doing very, very difficult progressions of an exercise. Uh, and, and what Nilesh said there, high load doesn't hurt people, it's how you get there. And the most obvious case to build, uh, the, the obvious way to build a case around that argument or that comment is, you know, think of the person who, um, tries to do something too quickly and they're incapable of doing that thing and they hurt themselves doing that thing. That is the most obvious example of mismanagement or not getting this right. And a, a great uh, movement, and I, I, I'm going to use this movement uh, despite the fact that it's my favorite movement. Uh, it's probably one of the most common uh, injury-causing movements. You could argue, depending on uh, who you are, it's either the squat or the deadlift in the gym. You know, So many people are fearful when they come to Unity Gym of deadlifting because they've hurt themselves deadlifting at some point in the past. Uh, and 
it's a really great example of a movement that people really stuff up load management with. They see, they go to the gym with some mates who have been training for far longer than they have, who have had a little bit more time to build up their load tolerance than they have. And they are roughly the same size as that person. They're all around 80, 85 kilo. Uh, and, they, and they go, okay, my mate's deadlifting 100 kilos. I'm going to have a crack at deadlifting 100 kilos with zero preparation and zero practice on that movement. So they've got very little load capacity and they try to pick up that weight and they hurt themselves. Mm. And that is a really great example of, you know, someone choosing a very high load with very poor um, uh, a history of getting there. You know, they, they didn't put any bank, any work in any effort, any practice. Yeah. And I think with that particular example, if it's someone who's just coming from a deadlift, um, that I think the things that could into that person is common, a combination of technique. It could be the technique issue or it could be the actual load issue. So I think trying to imagine this person had also done like, I don't know, somehow managed to learn the, like assume that they had perfect technique, but they just went from zero to hundred straight away because yeah. that's the key thing I don't want you to get confused about. It's not like, oh, you just learn how to do the movement and then you can do it later. It's, you know, you've, you've got to have your technique dialed in and then it's about yeah. load management yeah. as well. Well, I liked it in this and I, someone once told me, and I can't remember if it was, if, if it was Ch uh, Charles Poliquin or Tony Bittagi, it was one of the people that I would consider a, had a big influence on my training. Uh, once said that every time you, I think it was Tony Bataji, every time you, you, you want to have a goal of increasing the intensity or the load uh, in your workout, almost every workout, unless you're doing a back off cycle or a back off week or a recovery phase in your training, every single workout you want to try and manipulate a variable to increase the load. And that's what we call progressive overload, which we're going to go deeper into that. But he once said, think of it like this, every time you add a kilo to either side of the barbell or half a kilo to either dumbbell or whatever it is that you increase the load by. We have fractional, good gyms have fractional weight plates and things like that. I know some gyms don't, where you can go up by very small increments. Um, think of it like you're installing a new software into your hardware. You're, you're literally upgrading your uh, central nervous system. You're teaching the nervous system to lift a slightly heavier weight. And when you think about it like that, it sort of ma it, 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 it makes a lot of sense to me. You know, every time you go to the uh, gym, you're upgrading the software. Um, and it can't, you can't, you know, put a ridiculously uh, robust uh, software into a very old operating system. You've got to do it gradually. You know, you do gradual upgrades, just like you do with your smartphone, your computer, whatever else, you know, and that seems quite logical to me. You know, you can't go into the gym and pick up uh, a weight that's 50 or 100 kilos heavier. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense than what you were doing last time. And it is obviously a uh, recipe for disaster. Yeah. And I mean, Phil's spoken about this on the show many, many times about the, the adaptations that occur in the body and the three main adaptations, which is the first one that happens very, very quickly is that your central nervous system becomes stronger. It becomes, I mean, that's not the, the correct way of describing what happens, but for layman's terms, your nervous system becomes more capable of producing strength. And that happens really, really quickly. It can happen within about 30 days. And then the next adaptation is that the muscles themselves become more capable of producing strength, stronger hypertrophy, and that happens over a matter of a couple of months. But the big one, obviously, is the, um, the passive structures, right, Phil? The, the, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, basically over time, like you, yeah, those the ner nervous um, adaptations and, and the muscle adaptations happen like relatively quickly compared to um, basically like the bones, ligaments, and cartilage all adapting at a slightly um, slower sort of pace. So it is really a common thing for people who 
um, suddenly just go from having not done much to then suddenly like oh i'm just getting stronger and stronger every time i turn up and um just start blasting through um sort of plat you know pbs after pbs but then that will really start to catch up with them um after you know a potentially a couple well actually could be quite quickly um because yeah basically all the other structures in your body have to um have to develop and adapt as well so your bone you know as you um, cause impact and resistance um sort of weight bearing through your bones they'll get um become more dense ligaments mm. can thicken and, and cartilage will constantly kind of keep remodeling but and this and this is one of the things that i actually coach a lot of our intermediate and senior members on a lot is when they talk about how after six months or a year and they start talking about niggling injuries that they're getting or like every time i do uh, you know most recently one of our members was saying i think i realize why i keep getting spasms in my back i think it's on the shoulder press and he was talking me through what happens to his technique and i've seen it personally and he's talking about how he was shoulder pressing 65 kilos uh and this is a guy who's in his 50s he's a very very strong um one of our members um but 65 kilos for those of you in america that's about 150 pounds 145 something like that um that's a lot of weight to be shoulder pressing and and i said to him yeah man like you've come to that point where you're really hitting your upper limits and you you probably need to back the weight off about 20 percent and just spend some time on that there and that's um it can be quite a frustrating journey for people because that feeling of you know getting stronger day day on day week on week yeah. and then you get to this point where all of a sudden now you're getting injured and you're not getting stronger you're not being able to lift more weight and everything and it is a it, it's something that takes took me a long time to yeah, understand remember, this load um, management coach like listen to coach summer talking about how he trains people where he basically like, gets like push them past the barrier and then just keeps them there for like a long period of time before then moving on because yeah. he's very like well the, the you get to a point where your frame won't get much stronger yeah. there's small vari variations you can do and that comes down to genetics how fast which your muscle fibers are and things mm -hmm. like that and how you sort of train them but you get to a point and when you train with someone like um uh, Charles uh, Pollock, and I know he's, he's not around anymore, uh, or anyone, any really, really good strength coach who specializes in this, they do it in phases where you get to a point and they'll say, well, that's about your limit unless you put on another 10 pounds of muscle mass. Yeah. And so then you need to sort of switch over to, okay, I need to increase my caloric intake and I need to actually put on some more meat and then that'll take my strength yeah. to a new threshold. And, and that's why we talk about training age and I'm not sure we haven't brought up that term today yet, but it's a really important, like it's a really critical concept to understand is that, yeah, if you've been in the gym, like putting that, the, that sort of load and that sort of exercise, like a certain sort of exercise through your body for quite a while, then your training age is older and therefore you'll have a lot of these adaptations will have sort of started to, um, to move along. So if you're a, um, you know, a, quite an experienced person in the gym coming in to um, train here and like would be much more likely to, you know, progress mm. you and, and like push you further. Whereas if it's someone who's, you know, maybe done a bit of like team sport as a kid and then had a bunch of time off and was an office worker and then now is just getting into exercises for the first time in their life in their 30s, then you've really got to understand that over those sort of development years, like you haven't been putting the stimulus to get, um, to yeah, build your frame, build all those um like resilience and your passive structures to handle all this stuff so you're going to have to just take a slower approach and that doesn't necessarily mean that your upper limit can't be you know as high but you've just got to respect the time periods and, and yeah. um, take your time getting there yeah and, yourself. and you, i mean this is something that i personally experienced because my story of spending my late teens and all through my 20s doing kung fu 
there was so much work and so much um, load development in my lower body. So, you know, everything, including my core, but everything from, you know, really the belly button down really got strong and flexible. And But what was going on in my upper body, I wasn't putting my body through load because I was throwing punches around and I was doing all of this and that. So then when I started trying to do calisthenics in my 30s, I didn't have that load tolerance in my upper body. And I got a lot of injuries because I didn't understand why my upper, I, I just didn't get why couldn't I do this stuff that my yeah. lower body's so like strong. Your and muscles can, are getting bigger, you're feeling yeah, stronger. Yeah, I was, I was, getting, like, I was okay. getting bigger, I was getting stronger, but I just kept getting these injuries. And what, what people don't understand, like what you just said there is, when you develop that load tolerance through those formative years of your life, like for a man, you know, through your 20s, your testosterone is peaking and you're really geared towards being able to um, adapt to this stuff. Um, you just can't take that away from being at a point where, yeah, you just go, oh, I'm going to try this for the first time and, and, and let's see what I can do. And, and um, yeah, it's like, like people say often to, to people like us when they compare themselves and they go, man, your wrists are so strong or your arms are so strong. And you're like, yeah, I've, I've spent years doing this stuff and, and often just sitting at that same weight, you know, just, just squatting away at it or just benching away at just this same weight and changing basic periodization variables, but not always trying to PB in every session or, yeah. or doing that sort of two to 3% increase in each session rather than, you know, people always want to put five kilos on you know, in every workout, like I'm, I'm going to put two and a half on. There's no other weight in the gym. Yeah. Um, I, I get that with people and I say, use the, use the half kilo weights that you yeah. can go up in one kilo and they go, oh, really? And I say, yeah, well, that's what we've got them there for. You don't have to go up in five kilos. Yeah, and yeah. especially if you're somebody that's squatting 30 kilos, if you think of going from 30 to 35, that's, that's a 17 point whatever it is percent increase in weight. So you might think, yeah. oh, it's only five kilos, but it's 17% more weight. That so that's like somebody squatting 100 and going from 100 to 117 in one workout. Yeah. It's huge. It's actually a, a pretty solid, there's a lot of research on what you should progress on. And it's really actually for an untrained individual, no more than 5% mm. from lift from workout to workout. And in a trained individual, you can push it up to 10%. Mm. But it usually, if you go beyond those variables, you expose yourself to mm. uh, yeah. piss poor load management. Mm. Now, I want to spin this uh, discussion around because so far we've really focused on what we're doing in the gym with lifting. But there's another story that's really caught my attention recently, which is that you know, if you followed me for a while in my blogging, I ha I started running again last year, or walking and then running. But we'll get to that. the uh, The idea is to start running again, and um, and I've been doing it now for about six months, and it uh, it's slow. It's been a very slow, gradual process, which actually started with me going out and going for a run, and then really, really upsetting some previous injuries in my body. And so I went back to the drawing board and and uh, and and really took a page out of our own book uh, and started to just go for walks, and then over time building up the load capacity. Now, in January this year, uh, um, which should be expected, you know, I see my regular crew every morning. I'm up at five in the I'm up at five twenty in the morning. The alarm goes off. I'm out of the house by five thirty, and I'm usually on the harbour bridge by about. 10 to 6, quarter to 6, uh, maybe a little bit earlier. And I go across the bridge, you see the same crew coming in the opposite direction, the same crew going in the other direction. And in January, there's a whole new horde of people who are out there for their New Year's resolutions. Most of them carrying excessive weight. Like, uh, I'm not talking a little bit overweight. There's a lot of, the, lot of people that are well overweight. They'd be um, bordering on the, the obese and morbidly obese factor. And they're all running. 
They're all running and there's this look of intense discomfort and pain on their faces, you know, Riddle. plodding along. And I'm, I'm literally still walk running. I only, it's a, it's a 5.7 kilometer uh, journey for me. And I, I run, I'm at currently running three kilometers of it. So there's 2.7 kilometers that I walk and it's taken me a long time to build up to that. Because if I overdo it, it affects my training in the gym here. I can't squat uh, and I can't do heavy deadlifts and I can't stretch because I really stiffen up, you know. So I've been very progressive about it. And this is where I want to talk about the need for progressive overload when you're managing this. Because the majority, it's been really um, uh, upsetting to me to get out there uh, over the weekend or I think it was Friday or Saturday. And then again this morning, it's raining a bit in Sydney and it's a bit glum and overcast and they're all gone all those people are gone I didn't pass one of them and my assumption is that it's one of two factors it's either the first of February and their New Year's resolutions didn't get them through till uh, beyond a month or because it's overcast and it's a little bit wet the, the the Friday run wasn't wet so it was just overcast so that's probably not a good excuse and quite frankly running in the rain is really quite nice, nice because yeah. you well, after 15 minutes you're dripping with sweat anyway and uh, it's actually it just cool. makes no difference it keeps you cool yeah um, and so I don't think that's a good excuse what I'm concerned is, is that they've run, literally run themselves into the ground. Yep. You know, you get someone who's overweight like that, who's not conditioned and, and you get out there and go for a run. And I know what it's like for me. I've had a knee reconstruction. I've had a, a couple of injuries and I wasn't conditioned to it. And I could hardly move after running too early. So what's it going to be like for someone who's carrying an, an extra 40 kilos? You know, I'm probably about 12%, 11, uh, 11 and a half, 12 percent body fat at the moment. Uh, so I'm not overweight, you know. But you know, this is a real problem. Yeah. This is a real problem. And it doesn't just happen in the gym. Piss poor load management oh, exactly. doesn't it's just happen in the gym. There's a um, there's a big area of study um, a little while ago that's been a bit of a sort of controversial place, place of argument in the sort of physio and sports science community around um, the acute to chronic uh, chronic workload ratio. Did you ever come across that? Where basically it's looking at if you're um, your acute workload ratio would be um, your acute workload would be like what you've done within the week. So if you're looking at running, it might be how many like you know kilojoules or calories per workout you've done. So you can objectively measure exactly how much work you've done over that time. But you could also use it in the gym about how many you know total kilos lifted um, as well. And then you look at your chronic workload, which is basically looking at a month's worth of that data. So a month of you know calorie output in um, in running or or kilo output in in exercise and so you're basically looking at the ratio between the like what you've done in that week versus what you've done in the previous month and so it just gives you a bit of like an objective idea about exactly how much change you've made from your usual setting to now um your your um, most common thing and so they were trying to find it as like use that as a way of predicting injury and didn't quite come through in the scientific data as a, like a but you can't it's never going to be a crystal ball about being able to predict injury but i think it's a really good way to think about um you know when you're starting your training think about what you're doing this like what you're doing last week and the week before that and the week before that and you know if you haven't been doing anything if you've just been sitting around or if you've you know just getting into exercise like don't push it just <laughs> ease into it you and know, make small changes over time whereas if you were you know doing like if you've been working pretty hard really consistent with your training if you've been you know like progressively sort of moving up slowly and slowly then um, you know, it makes total sense that you'd be able to keep maintaining that if your body's handling it fairly well. So, I yeah. um, 
I, c- I can't remember if it was you or Leroy that told me this. And for those of you that don't know, Leroy is an amazing um, sports physio that Phil actually did some work with when he was studying physiotherapy. And it's the whole reason why we he know. the first physio that I saw as a, um, a, as a patient. As, really? Um, yeah, and he was going to be my team physio for the Australian Frisbee team how, back how in 2006. How did you come across him? Was it us that referred him? Uh, no, that was just through my Frisbee connections, but that's really? also how now I, now I know Nilesh because Leroy was the first head yeah, physio Leroy the Yeah, and Nilesh worked together. So Yanni and I have uh, been friends with Leroy for about 17 years now since we started as PTs. But anyway, I can't remember if it was you on, or, or um, Leroy that told me this, but he was talking about uh, whoever it was. Um, there's a study that has a name to it where they talk about this uh, an issue with load management as well is that if you imagine if you're watching on the show the way that we talk about increasing load if, if it, it should kind of look like a ramp it shouldn't it shouldn't be like this kind of a thing but what happens is people increase their load tolerance and then they don't train for two weeks and their load tolerance drops but then they come back to training and they try and pick up where they left off and unfortunately that's a recipe for disaster as well and this is where a lot of people get this wrong because they think i've worked six months to get to here and i only took two weeks off Um, and you don't have to start from the same start point again and it's not going to be the same slow journey to get back to where you were but you do have to ramp that load up again for the next week or two you can't just pick up where you left off um yeah take the ramp not the stairs i'm I'm doing that right now with my training you know like rad's been commenting on how impressed he is that i'm actually following (laughs) our protocol but like i could probably jump under a 140 kilo squat and i could grind out some reps but i'll be squatting about 100 kilos today you know yanni has made the biggest mess of this over the last eight years he he gets on this show and preaches it but then he won't train for two or three weeks and then he comes out and tries to squat the same as he did before it's human nature yeah. yeah Especially if you're competitive, especially if you're passionate, especially if you've got big goals, you know, and this is, you know, I'm not having, don't get me wrong, I'm not having a dig at the uninformed runners that I'm passing in the morning. Uh, I'm trying, I'm really trying to get the message out that it's really important because the reality is, is that they will not continue. They will not continue. Now, we had another um, uh, um, example of this recently where I was consulting with my mother and stepfather and my stepfather really needs to do some exercise, but he's never exercised before. And, and you know, I had a really long two-hour consultation with them and my mum, who works with a personal trainer three days a week where they live up the coast, was trying to get him to come to the personal training sessions. And I said, it's probably not the best idea. She's like, don't, uh, I'm not having a dig at her, but she's not the most experienced personal trainer. And she will most likely just try and plug him into mum's workouts. And it will really put him off because he won't be able to perform at that level and he will be competitive because it's in his nature. He's a, he's a bloke, you know, and he'll just end up hurting like hell after the workouts and it'll discourage him from ever coming back again. So I suggested that he literally start with buying a Fitbit uh, like what I'm wearing here, a wearable that tracks his steps. And he's in a beautiful part of the world up in the um, uh, mid North coast. And, and they've got quite a hilly area where they live. So I said, start off with just a nice, gentle 10 minute walk and then build up to a 20 minute walk and then build up to a 30 minute walk. And then maybe once you're at 30 minutes, you can go from 30 to 45 and then from 45 to an hour. And eventually I want you doing 10,000 steps a day, which is a big walk. It's not easy to do a 10,000 step walk. I have to walk for about 90 minutes. 
Uh, and so once you're doing that, the body's going to start really um, changing and adapting and the, the, not just the muscle tissues and your cardiovascular system, but all of the connective tissues and the bones and things like that are going to start sort of having to adapt to that as well. And then once you're doing that after a month or two, uh, then maybe consider introducing a little bit of strength training, but just drip feed it, you know, don't dive into it like um, a bat out of hell. And for, for that, perspective i urged him to get a trainer like get your own trainer don't try and work with mum don't try and keep up with mum get get a trainer who's just going to really layer it on nice and slowly and the guy who owns their gym that she's going to is actually an exercise physiologist and i said try and get in with him because he'll understand you know and um yeah and just with with like looking back at the you know the human nature side of things and people sort of hear this and they go but but i have goals that i want to hit and i want to hit them quickly like you've got and this really like uh, is a, a mistake that i made all through my teenage years playing competitive sport where i would have like a world championship tournament coming up and i'd like train my butt off and, and or like play as many games as i possibly could to get as much in as possible and then i'd injure myself and then i'd have like a few weeks off and then i'd come back and i'd probably come back a bit early and not kind of get my i didn't really have any strength and conditioning um guidance back then and um you know hurt myself again and again and i sort of just plateaued at this level where I just didn't get better. And I just watched all the, the guys who I'd been, you know, I taught to throw a Frisbee and I, you know, I was coaching them in, in junior sort of <clears throat> things. And then suddenly they're just like gradually overtaking and overtaking me. And, and then they end up, you know, sort of getting the spots on the teams that I was going for. And it was just such an example. And I, I, I was talking to one of the, my mates who, who end up becoming one of the best kind of players in the country. And, you know, he, he rolled his ankle on the, just before the finals of the nationals. And he was like, and I was like, oh, mate, you must be gutted. And he's like, yeah, but this is the first injury I've ever had. Like, he'd been playing for 10 years by that point. And he's like, this, like, I, you know, I've been so fortunate. And that's where, you know, getting to that peak level because he just never stopped. Yeah. And it's the tortoise and the hare thing. Like, you know, that, that classic sort of um, fable where the, the tortoise ends up winning the race because they're constantly moving forward. Whereas that tortoise, the hare is, you know, sprinting off, getting injured, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> plateauing. So Absolutely. it does feel like, you know, you know, you just want to, push you just want to go forward but if you injure yourself if you get out of like that will slow you down ultimately and it and yeah, yeah you'll I make better progress as i personally i know that i i'm a lot harsher on the point that you've just made than you guys are and you guys have in the past said to me that i oh, um you think it should be um delivered a little bit more gently but i still stand by my guns and i don't think i think that this is one of the biggest problems that we have and it, it, you, can, you don't just need to relate it to health and fitness and exercise. You can relate it to anything. Like people might have a goal that they want to get a new car all of a sudden. And, you know, if you decide to do the route that everybody does, most people, at least in Australia, and just go and get a loan and leverage yourself, that hurts you. But if you do what very few do and say, I'm going to save up and once I can afford that car, I'm going to get it. But that takes time. It, you can't get that thing straight away. And the same thing goes with exercise. You know, if you you might have a goal where you say, I want to achieve this and I'm going to get there quickly. If you take that approach, it is likely going to end in pain, not just in your body, but to your ego. And we, we really need to start approaching life differently. We, start, yeah. we need to start looking at things realistically and saying, okay, I wanna have this goal and I'm gonna set myself to do that, but I'm going to get there the smart way. And if I don't achieve it in the time that I want, it doesn't matter because I, by the time I get to that point, the deadline where I'm not at the goal, but I'm 70% there, at least I'm on the way. And then I can recalibrate my goals where if I go the other way, where I go full hell for leather and hurt myself and then I can't do anything, yeah, look, it's it's um, 
I think it is like quite literally one of the most important things <laughs> to learn in life. But w when when it comes to training, it's it's like you can you can make spectacular mistakes by trying to rush things. And this is why we do like I think the whole industry is really a bit messed up at a base level because we have this notion. And I even got taught this by my very first mentor when I joined when I started working at Fitness First, you know, and he was a friend of mine and he took me under his wing as and, and sort of helped to guide me. And he was like, you know, just smash your clients because you don't see them very often. And the times that they're in the gym, you want to make the most of it. So there was this mentality of you just got to absolutely brutalize them, you know. And we've completely challenged the status quo with that at Unity Gym where we teach people to train at, you know, a lower intensity. We try to keep them around that 70 percentile intensity, uh, but we train them every day, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's overtraining. Well, yes, if you smash yourself every day, it's over. It's going to overtrain. You're going to go in an overtrained state, but we don't allow people to do that. We yeah. encourage people to train at a 70 percent intensity every day, and that creates consistency and that hacks into a whole host of psychological um, elements of the training principles where you're building habits, you're building routine, you're building rituals into your day that are, that are much more powerful than just a really intense dose of exercise every other day or three times a week or something like that, you know. And then, the, you know, there is the other thing that we um, use, which is the preparations, the general preparations phase of training. And we um, put a spectacular amount of emphasis on the need for that. And we call that our foundations program. And we, you know, we start people off doing a fast growth workshop and the entire um, princi the principle behind the foundations workshop is to get them to understand the need for building a strong foundation before you dive off into you know what you're doing and the, the whole idea of training is to get your body to a level where you can throw whatever you want at it you can come up with a goal that you want to achieve in very short amount of time and your body will withstand it you know um, but uh, yeah people in general just really mess this up mm. and so I think you know yeah. the big the if you get this right you won't see like <laughs> you won't need to see a physio basically yeah like, that's it's right it's just so unless you you know roll your ankle or you you know do your ACL yeah, playing yeah. like someone running into you in sport like you just won't get all of the, like this this is how you avoid tendinopathies so everyone out there with golfer's elbow if you got this right you wouldn't have that um, same with you know like all the tendinopathies this is basically this problem um, you know so many muscle tears where you just like overly fatigued yourself and then you just like do something when you're in a fatigued state or you've you know uh, taken a bunch of time off and think you can sprint as fast as you used to sprint that would solve that yeah. issue like there's just and all those people who are, have given up running after one month because yeah. the amount of pain they experience doesn't match the level of result they got you know I know this happens I've spoken to so many people in my 17 years 16 years as a personal trainer you know and they put in all this effort and they experience all this heartache and pain and they might lose one or two kilos and and it's just like what I'm not continuing with this you know I can't deal with that pain for the I got to lose 40 kilos and it took a month to lose one kilo or two kilos does that mean it's going to take 40 months to lose my weight at this level of pain no you messed up the load management you should never have run you would have lost more fat bloody walking you know and you wouldn't have hurt so much so you would have been able to walk the day after and the day after and the day after and guess what at the end of the month you probably would have lost several kilos you know f maybe even more and you wouldn't have hurt and you would have felt good about it and it would have motivated you to still be out there in february you know so that you and you need to approach your training like that with everything you need to uh <laughs> you need to find a balance that you're going to enjoy 
because guess what? It's going to take longer than a fucking month and you have to embrace that. Mm. It doesn't matter what you're trying to achieve unless you are an elite level athlete who can periodize a program phase of four weeks or three weeks and actually see a really um, good result with that and, and really brutalize your body, you know, you're not going to be able to achieve amazing things yeah, in that short time you know, frame. They have the training age to be able to handle that. That's so it's exactly all about creating right. that buffer. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, so embrace that it's going to take a little while. Progress slowly and use the principle of progressive overload. If you don't know what that means, we've got heaps of podcasts on it. Just search for it. Uh, and if you want to know how we do this stuff, then... Uh, you know, by all means, jump into our ecosystem and, uh, and and get into the foundations program, get into the MS online coaching, get into, you know, whatever it is uh, that you're doing. Um, yeah, just, and, just... And this really guides, you know, both in relation to my physio management, where if you have an injury, we're not going to tell you to stop because we know that if you then stop and come back, um, you know, like three weeks later, you're going to be in a whole lot of hurt because you've now got to like start from the bottom and, and work up. So, you know, if for us, if you have an upper body injury, then we just fo- like put your focus to your low, lower body and then give you a bit of sort of, you know, like regress your upper body a little bit and then bring you back. But it's all about keeping loading that system so you keep that tolerance. Yeah. So that's, you know, this is all really inbuilt into our rehab sort of principles. Absolutely. So. As we bring this in for landing, guys, I challenge everyone out there to just take a, take a, a little pause on what you're doing. Have a think about, am I going at this too fast? Am I being realistic? Am I using the concept or the principle of progressive overload in what I'm doing? You know, uh, am, am I, is my goal mindset a little bit too short term? Do I need yeah. to think a little bit more long term? Because it is that point in the year where uh, the, the hype of the new year is starting to trickle off and wear off. And we often need to recalibrate. We need to dust our shoulders off and have another run at the mountain that is our goals. And uh, and it's really, really important that you do that and, and that you do it properly. Reach yeah. out, hit us up. Hit, um, post in the in the group or on the um, uh, comment on the podcast or on YouTube if you want to know more about this sort of stuff. We do lots and lots and lots. And yeah, and for some like a practical takeaway for today, um, like if you can if you know how much you've done in the past, then you're gonna have a better idea of how much you can you know do today and in the future. So I really do encourage you to you know track track what you're doing. If you have a you know can have a wearable for your running, or if you have a you know just write down on your program card what you've done because that will be you know, like the the biggest thing that will safeguard you from injury long term, but it'll also, you know, be a good diagnostic tool looking back if you do start to develop some kind of injury or pain. So, you know, this could be really like, I, I find it really annoying, um, you know, writing down absolutely everything. So I'm even happy for you to do like a sort of subjective, almost like subjective score of just like how hard you went in that session or something just like anything or if it's just catching the weights for the top sets not all the back down sets and everything uh, or not all the accessories sorry um just like anything to give you a bit of an idea about how um yeah how much you how much you're working awesome tomorrow we're going to talk about the difference between macro and micro loading we gave a little uh, hint of that away today on Thursday, we're going to be talking about how to overcome an injury identity and why that's so important and why it's, it's better to cultivate a performance mindset. And uh, on Friday, we're going to bring this in for a landing and talk about why we believe motion is lotion. And it really drills into what Phil just said there, which is if you injure yourself, you are not going to be told to stop training. You're, you're going to be encouraged to keep moving and, and why that's so important. And uh, guys, 
Uh, I'll give it away today. Uh, at the end of this week, we're going to be doing a massive flash sale over the weekend, uh, releasing all of our rehab programs. Anyone who is suffering a little bit and isn't in the UMS Movement Master, uh, sorry, uh, the UMS Online Coaching or doing the Foundations program, we use these rehab programs for people who aren't ready to really uh, follow a holistic program where we cover everything. It's a it's a great way to just work on a specific issue or compromise that you've got that you're dealing with. Uh, so look out for that as well. We'll see you all tomorrow. Ciao. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.